Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at That's Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Multiple shootings around the country this week. Crime rates skyrocketing. Is this a year of lockdown despair? coming to roost and social media sites have stopped you from sharing negative stories about BLM and CNN. Can you fight the censorship? Well, Daryl Scott says you can and we will tell you about it on tonight's show and more of the news you didn't know that you won't hear anyplace else. All of that on Dr. Gina Primetime. Happy Freedom Friday to you. We start tonight's show with a doctor's orders. As protests continue each night in Minneapolis over the Dante Wright shooting, Chicago is bracing for protests tonight. The police body cam that shows an officer chasing and then shooting and killing a 13-year-old boy was released by Chicago police. This event actually happened weeks ago, but now that the body cam video has been released, new anti-police protests are expected tonight. 13-year-old Adam Toledo was reportedly shooting a 9mm handgun at cars in a residential area at 2.30 in the morning on March 29th. Police responded within minutes, and here is that body cam video. Very tough to watch. Please stop! Stop! Right now! Hey, show me your hand! Stop it! Stop it! The picture that the media is showing is a screenshot that shows the boy's hands up, but in the video, you can clearly see that he turned quickly toward the officer in that moment. The officer made a split-second decision to fire one time, killing 13-year-old Adam Toledo. The media also shows you pictures like this one, along with the screenshot of the boy with his hands up before being shot. But what the media doesn't show you is the moment before that when Toledo had the gun in his hand and then tossed it behind the fence as he abruptly turned toward the officer who believed he was armed. They also will not show you what citizen journalist Andy No is sharing on social media about what we know about 13-year-old Adam Toledo. His friends on social media call him little homicide, but that doesn't fit the mainstream media narrative of another innocent minority child shot by evil racist police who were out that night hunting, supposedly, for a minority child to kill because that's what the media want you to believe. The corporate media also will not be asking you the question, what were, where were this child's parents? Why was he running around with a handgun at 2 a.m. shooting up the neighborhood with a 9 millimeter for fun? And where did he get this gun? And where did he get this expensive ammo? And what about this child's teachers? Where were they? Well, in Chicago right now, schools are still closed. 
Chicago Public Schools were set to finally reopen this coming Monday, but this week the Chicago Teachers Union staged a walkout in order to stop the schools from reopening. So thanks to those teachers, young men and boys like Adam Toledo are still left with nobody but their street gangs for support. How are we to believe that the teachers actually care about children when they left kids like Toledo in the hands of street gangs and decided to walk out instead? Kids like him could be in schools right now. Now, don't get me wrong. I think public schools are still terrible places to send your children. And I think that home or private schooling is far superior. But it's been more than a year that the city of Chicago has been locked down. Crime and, pun crime and unemployment have actually skyrocketed. And the CDC says that schools can reopen now. A public school is better than life on the streets for 13-year-olds like Adam Toledo who've been lost in the welfare system. Likely his family has been destroyed and broken. He turns to tribalism, which is typical. He turns to a gang, turns to other forms of radicalism ends up in trouble and the only place he has to turn because all other leftist systems have failed him from day one is the public school. So why is no lamestream media calling teachers unions out for this when clearly if Toledo were in school this would not have happened? Where are the Democrat politicians? Where's the squad? who supposedly cares about minorities, right? They're screaming all the time about how racist the police are, but what about the racist system that put Toledo in this very place that he was that night? Who, besides conservatives like you, is willing to call this like it actually is? This boy would not be dead if the purely leftist system had not failed him again and again and again. You know, every study you read will tell you that the number one thing you can do to keep your child out of trouble and, in fact, to make your child successful in life is to have dinner at home together nightly. And my husband and I recently made a recommitment to have dinner at home with our children, the ones that remain at home and all the others are invited and at least are in town and can come if they like every single night that we are home. And so this sort of breakdown with the welfare system and that fails these children. And then the leftist cities that fail these children and these families lead to the breakdown of the family. And then when the breakdown of the family happens, the children have nowhere to turn, so they turn to gangs. I've met some of these gang members, and it's one of the saddest thing in the world to meet a child that has turned to a gang because no one has held the, the politicians accountable for what they've done to these children. It creates and proliferates the destruction of, of minority families, and then these children are left on their own. And then the schools run by leftist unions that fail them so deliberately and shamefully, and the leftist media who covers it all up so it can happen over and over. This is going to continue to happen until voters rise up and call it out. And guess what? It will keep happening until they start to listen to the way that you think. And right now, right-wing talk show hosts, as they like to call us, and audiences like you are actually the only ones who are actually taking up the cause for children just like Toledo. Had they listened to us, were the systems dismantled of welfare and the unions and all the rest of it a long time ago, were the policies 
of folks like Donald J. Trump that they mock every single day put in place, I can absolutely guarantee you lives like the one of this little Toledo boy would not have been taken. So here is my doctor's order to you for tonight. You keep screaming the truth from the rooftops. You keep demanding that things like this don't happen to this little boy. You keep telling families that they don't have to subscribe to the welfare state that Joe Biden and this administration are commanding they do. You keep telling families that they don't have to settle for public school mediocrity, mediocrity and failure. You keep telling teachers unions that they don't have a right to take advantage of these kids with taxpayer money. You keep telling Democrat politicians that they don't have a right to run cities into the ground that are full of minority families and make them dependent on them for votes and power and money that they don't deserve because they're not serving their constituency well. You keep supporting politicians that can take over these cities and make them right based on family values that keep families together, that serve families that will raise up little boys like this little boy and give them a life so they don't have to turn to crime and drugs and ultimately death. You keep screaming it from the rooftop because guess what? You're right. And that's your doctor's orders for today. Coming up, Two gunmen in two different cities were hell-bent on killing people, but one was stopped, another was not. We'll tell you the story of the good guy with a gun who stopped a terrible shooting yesterday and also the tragic story of unarmed victims who had no way to protect themselves. That's next, and we have lots of more, lots more good news for you here on Dr. Gina Primetime, just like we do every night. Stay where you are. The Angie's List You Know and Trust is now Angie, and we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews, but now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. And welcome back to Dr. Gina Primetime. As you probably know, there were two shootings yesterday that highlight the difference in mainstream media news reporting. That's the part you may not know, though. One shooting happened in San Antonio Airport, and the only shooter, and only the shooter, by the way, though, is dead today. The other one happened at a FedEx facility in Indianapolis Airport, and eight innocent people lost their lives, and the gunman also took his life ultimately. Now in San Antonio, a man pulled up to the airport and started firing indiscriminately, but almost immediately an officer nearby, a good guy with a gun, as we like to call him here on this show, shot and killed the gunman before anybody else was harmed. That story, sadly, getting very little coverage today outside of San Antonio local news, but why? And in Indianapolis, Indiana last night, at the FedEx facility at the Indianapolis airport, there was no good guy with a gun. The only person armed was the shooter, and therefore, eight innocent people lost their lives. And then the gunman turned the gun on himself. Now, this story will be repeated over and over again if Joe Biden gets his way. And now we finally have the identity of the shooter. It was just released, actually, this afternoon. Police ID'd the killer as the former employee, Brandon Scott Hole who was only 19, here with me now to discuss 
former FBI National Joint Terrorism Task Force member, Lieutenant Steve Rogers. Steve, you know, I love having you on the show. I'm seeing you way too often. You tend to come on my show when we have a shooting um, or when we have a terror attack. Those are the two times we invite you on the show, most of all, because this is what you're an expert on. And it is horrifying to me how many times I've seen you in the last couple of weeks because we have all of these things happening again. Uh, we weren't having a lot of this stuff uh, when Donald Trump was president, frankly. But now that Joe Biden and Kamala Harris are in charge, I'm having you on a lot and you are in very high demand in media again because this is your expertise. This must be terrifying for you in a way to see these stories back in the news over and over again. Well, what's terrifying is that we're going down a path that is uh, destroying law enforcement uh, agencies from federal level to local level across this country. Now, uh, the question that needs to be answered is, well, why? How did we get here? And uh, yeah. look at uh, the fact of the matter is, is that we got here because after Donald J. Trump left office, uh, a Democrat Socialist administration took control and made it very, very clear to law enforcement officers that they will be more concerned about being politically correct than defending the people from crime. That isn't politics what I'm talking about. This is fact. So we have the police on retreat. We have them being taught in police academies about how to be uh, nice to the suspects versus not very nice to the victims. Because if you're nice to the victims, you're gonna protect them. But Dr. Gina, that's why we're here. Total breakdown in leadership from the White House down. It's just unbelievable. Steve, authorities have identified the shooter, Brandon Scott Hole, 19 years old, a former employee. I think we could have guessed that the shooter would have been a former disgruntled employee. We've seen this story, Steve. I've had you on, I don't know how many times, on, on my various radio and television programs over the years about things just like this, and I'm not alone. The young age is surprising, um, but these sorts of situations are predictable and therefore, Steve, avoidable by the things that you tell me every time you're on the show. And the one thing that makes something like this avoidable is a good guy with a gun. And yet, and yet, Joe Biden and Kamala Harris and this administration want to change all of that to where the guns are solely in the criminal hands because when you pass new laws to make it harder for law-abiding citizens to get guns, you leave them in the hands of the criminals and the good guys with the guns go away. I want your comment on this. Well, look, you're absolutely right. And no one can deny that when you have a good guy with a gun, uh, the bad guy with the gun, uh, the, the actions of that bad guy will uh, be eliminated rather quickly. Look, I've shared with people since I saw this uh, downtrend of the ability of law enforcement to protect citizens, is that uh, it takes sometimes two minutes at a minimum and where they're good, where there are good responses of police departments to get to the scene of a crime. Sometimes it's five minutes, 10 minutes, and maybe more. But let's take a look at that two minutes for a minute. In two minutes, look how many rounds could be shot from a semi-automatic weapon and how many people could be killed. If you've got somebody there who's trained, who is armed, who knows how to use a weapon as a defensive mechanism, not offensive, that killer is gonna be neutralized and loss of life will be minimized. That's a fact. There's no one that can argue that fact because we've seen it time and time again where there was a good guy with a gun in an area where a bad guy with a gun came in immediately neutralized by the good guy.
And Steve, this is another story that I feel like you and I have this conversation <laughs> way too often. The FBI had already been warned about this man. Um, why was he allowed to be, you know, why, was, why did he have this gun, first of all? Uh, why did he have these kinds of bullets, which I know are extraordinarily expensive, uh, more than a dollar a piece, in, I believe. Um, why were there no guards around this FedEx facility if it was known that he was, you know, a problem? Um, and, and, and the rest of the questions persist. But if he was if the FBI knew about him, why was he not being watched? Well, a couple of things into play here. Uh, of course, that investigation has to continue. And uh, I don't know if the FBI, how much they knew about him. Apparently, they knew enough to tell the press, well, we were keeping an eye on him, but apparently they dropped the ball. Uh, it's impossible for law enforcement agencies to do exactly what you uh, rightfully uh, think we should do. The problem we're facing is defunding of the police, getting rid of intelligence and information capabilities. I mean, I can't begin to tell you that the people who are crying gun control are the very people who are taking the tools that police need yeah. in order to be proactive. Uh, so the, to answer your question directly is you, you can't have it both ways, but they had them on their uh, watch list, if you would, and for some reason, and boy, you brought up something very good. Uh, at the very minimum, they should have let that FedEx facility know that they have a former employee that could be dangerous. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and you're right. I mean, resources are a finite uh, thing. And, and so if they are allotting resources to all of these other things, this total ridiculously, you know, outlandish new mindset of, uh, you know, coddling criminals and, uh, you know, making sure that, I don't know, police are defunded and that there's this whole new training programs that are all being put in place about sensitivity and all this other nonsense, instead of paying attention to preventing crimes, which should be the job of police and protecting, especially minority communities where crimes do tend to be more prolific, as we're seeing already as a result of their ridiculous ideas about uh, the new policies, um, then you are taking resources away from exactly things like what we're talking about. And we are going to see massive increase in crimes. And the people who will pay are the minority communities, the co communities that can't afford private security like Nancy Pelosi and like most of our elected officials who are making these decisions for the poor communities who cannot afford private security. But moving on, Steve, what are police looking at right now? This is where we get our insight. What are they looking at right now? And why did they hold on to the shooter's identity until late this afternoon? Well, there's a possibility that they could have uh, believed that there could have been maybe someone else involved in at least the planning of this. You, you always kind of look at motive. What is the motive? Uh, so was, was this person uh, in communication with anyone else who maybe had a bias against uh, people in the facility? Was this, in fact, a terrorist attack? And there's no evidence saying at all that it was. Uh, there is indications, though, from what I'm understanding, that this may be an issue regarding this killer and uh, uh, some of the diverse cultures that uh, were in that facility. So that would make it a biased incident and bring it up to a federal level. But I suppose they were just waiting to make sure that they had enough information to dispel the idea of terrorism and any other rabbit hole that they need not go down. So right now, right. they have what they believe to be all the information necessary on this suspect short of what they may find on his computer and the uh, digital footprints, whether it be on the phone or other electronic equipment. But right now, the question is, what was the motive? And that's going to tell us a lot. 
Steve, I want to shift over to this story about this 13-year-old child, Adam Toledo, who was shot by Chicago police. The boy was shooting a 9-millimeter handgun for sport around a residential neighborhood, shooting at cars and buildings, and the body cam was just released from this incident that happened last month. But this officer thought he was in danger from an armed suspect. I'm sure the officer is probably devastated that he shot a 13-year-old boy. He had no way to know how old this boy was. But in that moment, I don't see, first of all, how that officer could have possibly known uh, the age of the boy or that his life wasn't in danger. He saw him throw this gun, as we've all seen in the video, even though media isn't, a lot of media isn't showing it. I want your thoughts on that. Well, my first thought was, what's a kid that age uh, uh, have a gun, for, uh, for goodness sakes? Where are the parents? No, where, yeah. where, are, where are the relatives? I mean, we're, they're blaming, the media is blaming the cops. The cops, they, they, they caused this problem. You know, the other issue is all you got to do, and we've talked about this, I don't care what age you are. A cop tells you to comply, you comply. You stop, you stop. You put your hands up. But in this incident, you nailed it. I mean, that officer had to make a split-second decision short of watching himself get killed or, unfortunately, uh, watching this uh, young uh, uh, kid get killed. But at the end of the day, you know, uh, we say it over and over and over again. We're the parents. Teach your kids to obey what the police say. It is simple. Very simple. Cop says stop, you stop. Now, saying that, it's a tragedy. No one wants to see anybody get killed, let alone a kid. But I could tell you that police officer is losing a lot of sleep also because oh. that cop didn't want to wake up and, and face this terrible tragedy. Don't you know? What was this kid doing out at 2.30 in the morning and not in school? And the list goes on and on. Steve, thank you so much for being with us. Always a pleasure. Thank you. Coming up, city governments are giving big payouts to families of shooting victims. How much will Adam Toledo's family get? That's next, right here on Dr. Gina Primetime. Stay with us. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. Welcome back to Dr. Gina Primetime. Now, there have been several high-profile cases in recent years of black Americans dying during an interaction with police that have led to riots and also huge settlements to the families of the deceased and this isn't an exhaustive list but michael brown's family was paid 1.5 million dollars tamir rice's family 5.5 million freddie gray's 6.4 eric garner's 5.9 million george floyd's family 27 million brianna taylor's family 12 million dante wright's family will likely get a big payout and also Add to that list now Adam Toledo's family in Chicago, and this is taxpayer money. Here with me now to discuss trial attorney Kelly Hyman. Kelly, great to see you. Thanks for being on the show. Thanks for having me on the show. It's nice to see you. Nice to have you. Kelly, most of the people I mentioned in that list above all have the same attorney, and I believe that attorney probably gets a nice portion, about a third of those settlements, if I'm hearing correctly. It's a good business. Well, first and foremost, my thoughts and prayers go to all those people that you listed that lost a, a loved one so young in, in, in such a horrible way. 
but I think it's important that there is justice. And uh, you can't put a price on someone's life, unfortunately. You just can't bring them back. Um, so ultimately, the, the family pays the biggest price. Yeah, and, and, and no doubt, I mean, you know, and, and not all of them were necessarily so young, some of them very young. Um, and you're right, you really can't put a price on someone's life. And then you, you get to looking at the numbers and you think, well, why was one life worth so much more than another life? And also, you start to think about who's paying it. And it's not necessarily the person responsible for the death, um, which is obviously often very debatable. A lot of times it's a failed system. Uh, that really is responsible for the horrible deaths of these people. Um, and a lot of times, arguably, not even necessarily um, the person who's accused. It's a long series of system failures for these people ultimately dying um, that leads to the scenario that put them there. Um, and very sad, and we talked about that a little earlier in the show. But the taxpayer is the one who ultimately foots that bill, correct? It depends on the circumstances. You know, it depends on where they file the lawsuit, what the lawsuit is, is for. It depends on a lot of different circumstances. And then one thing that's also was particularly surprising to me, I think when I looked at these numbers or when someone brought this to my attention, Kelly, is that the one thing these events all have in common, every single one of them, regardless of any of the numbers that I just read to you and regardless of the disparity in those numbers, is that in not one of these cases were the police officers ever convicted in any of the cases. So Kelly, why are city governments paying the settlements if the police officers weren't convicted? It doesn't seem to compute in the mind of the person trying to make all of this make some sort of sense when these were senseless killings to begin with, but it just this seems to be even more nonsense in, in these cases. Well, on two of them that you mentioned, you know, one of them, the George Floyd matter is, is in trial right now, in the other one, there hasn't been any um, anything going on in regards to a trial yet. But ultimately, if, if the city makes a decision based on the facts and evidence, they make a determination, and that's ultimately their choice of, of what to do to resolve this matter or to go to trial. And trials, as you know, are, are very expensive. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's just it's just, there's no good answers in these particular situations, and probably no amount of money makes anything better. But it just is uh, very interesting because I think most folks out there don't realize that this actually takes place, and uh, that um, you know that th there is such disparity in the numbers. And I and I think what you said is the most poignant part of all. You can't put a price on a life, um, and uh, and and so it's just the whole thing is just it's mesmerizing to consider. Uh, all of it. But anyway, we appreciate your being with us and your expertise. Thanks, Kelly. Be safe, stay healthy. God bless. All right, you too. All right, CNN was on the scene for the protests in Minnesota this week, and here is something that went to air that they didn't really count on. Tiger, you have been out here. Did you have you been out here the last couple of days? Yeah, yeah. Well, I've been here uh, all four nights. Uh, I'm just standing here today with uh, soup for my family, and uh, we're just you know watching all of this unfold. It's very unfortunate. You're not planning on using that, are you, throwing Absolutely. it at the police? Like I said, it's for my family. Literally for your family. Yeah. Here with me now to discuss, Anna Paulina Luna. Anna Paulina, wonderful to have you back with us. Thanks for being here. Absolutely, and what a fire response from him to that uh, broadcasting journalist. <laughs> right, isn't that? Um, you know, most of these rioters are out there 
not so much to get justice, um, but you see this, and you know he he had the soup, and uh, she wasn't going to follow up on why he had the soup. Now he said ultimately that it was uh, uh, to feed his family, which I think is particularly interesting. Uh, but uh, you know we know that. You know, CNN made fun of, CNN pundits made fun of President Donald Trump when he said that uh, soup was used to throw at police. He said they don't aren't using bricks, they're using soup. Soup's easier to throw. Uh, bricks are too heavy. Soup is easier to throw. And the pundits went nuts over this, mocked President Trump for having said such a thing. But here you have a young man with a can of soup that he says he's using to feed his family. Obviously, he winks at the camera. Obviously, that's not his intention. Uh, he's either, you know, maybe you would say inciting at the very least or planning, you know, to have some harm or threaten the police in some way. But the interesting part to me is that CNN doesn't even respond. I mean, barely responds. You're not planning this, are you? But there's no real... Uh, follow-up question with him. I mean, you're absolutely right. I think actually I understood that clip initially. But, you know, when you have someone out there, and obviously what we're seeing with a lot of these demonstrations is that they're not remaining peaceful, right? Like everyone has a right to protest peacefully and not destroying public property. And you are right. I know when BLM first started their rights this past summer that we were also seeing these random pallets of bricks showing up in different cities. And people were like, hmm, that's odd. That's in definitely places that are tending to get violent. So yes, absolutely. I think it is a fact. And you have people, obviously he winked at the camera. So clearly this guy is, uh, I wouldn't say necessarily fully being honest, but it's no surprise to me. CNN was also just uncovered recently with Project Veritas uh, with a leaked video saying that they will put out proper Propaganda that is against conservatives, against Republicans, and that benefits and furthers the Democrat Party and their agenda and message. So I'm not surprised to hear that at the least. And I think the interesting thing is, you know, I've started to see the cycle with, with the different riots and the different killings and the different shootings and the things that we're seeing over and over again. It all comes down to more deaths of more brown or black people. Over and over again, we're seeing this. It, it doesn't, let's, let's put all the details aside for one moment. We're talking about more deaths in predominantly minority cities of more minority people. And a lot of children, by the way. Um, and you look at the failed system when you, when you go back to the welfare system that Joe Biden and Kamala Harris want to vastly expand. Um, they're calling it infrastructure, but it's welfare. Um, and that is what, what, you know, corrals minorities into this area to begin with. Then you look at the breakdown of the family, which is instrumentally uh, orchestrated by the welfare system. Then you look at the fact that they are put into these public schools, which are substandard with teachers that don't even want to teach. You know, in Chicago, for example, um, where the shooting took place um, with this young Adam Toledo, he, he's in a school system that's been given the green light to go back to school, but the teachers union did a walkout instead. And Apolina, they don't want to teach him. So where was he? He's resorted to a gang because he probably doesn't have a family because of the leftist politics. He's living in a neighborhood um, that probably is terrible. Uh, with probably a broken family thanks to leftist politics in his leftist neighborhood. And the leftist teachers union now has failed him again, doing a walkout. Um, so you have a 13-year-old child with access to a 9-millimeter weapon, right, out at 2.30 in the morning when he should have been in school, when every single leftist thing has failed him, every single leftist policy. 
And yet here we have more leftist policies being thrown at these neighborhoods and these children again. And we are going to see more and more Adam Toledo's, correct? Absolutely. In fact, you just saying that, I really feel like you were kind of just telling my story. I grew up within the welfare system in a broken home. Many of my family members struggled from substance abuse. I went to six high schools, one of which there was a shooting on campus. And I tell people that, correct, expanding the welfare state doesn't help minorities. In fact, it does the exact opposite. It was very hard for me and members of my family to break that cycle. And honestly, had it not been for me enlisting, I might just be another statistic, unfortunately, like this young man who's no longer with us. And so I tell people that a lot of these policies that they push, a lot of what we're seeing is the media really benefiting off of that rage voting mentality. They try to brainwash minorities, whether they're Hispanic or black, into thinking that conservatives and Republicans are racist and it's this race issue when in actuality it's negative policy coming from the Democratic Party that does try to expand the welfare state, remove fathers from the home, and ultimately ends up not only in increasing poverty rates, but also to increasing incarceration rates especially a young black uh, among black uh, young men and then also to Hispanic as well. So you're absolutely correct. And it's really upsetting to see this from someone who's actually lived those policies, lived through those failed systems. But that's exactly why it's so important for, I think, young leaders to stand up and help target those demographics to really break through the programming. Yeah, absolutely. And then I see great folks like you who understand this and who have run and I, I just can't imagine that those that those places, those people, those voters don't want to elect someone like you instead of the same politicians that have failed them again and again and again. But perhaps these kinds of things will wake them up and ultimately they will choose folks like you. Anna Paulina Luna, thank you so much for uh, putting yourself out there to serve as you have and as I know you will and are and, uh, and also for being on the show and continuing to speak up as you do. Thank you. Thank you, Dr. Gina. Coming up, one of our frequent guests here on Dr. Gina Primetime is uh, announcing that he's running for governor of Georgia so he can fix the election problems there. And this is what we talk about every day on this show. That candidate joins us next. Don't miss it. More Dr. Gina Primetime after this. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. Back to Dr. Tina Primetime. All right, now it's time for some news you did not know. Joining us now from the RAV World Headquarters in Denver, Colorado, Jessica Rivera. Jessica, welcome. Thank you, Dr. Gina. Yeah, court packing is once again in the headlines with the Biden administration and many Democrats pushing to up the number of Supreme Court justices from 9 to 13. But besides the obvious issues of court packing, like ending debate and only putting band-aids on issues rather than settling them, something not being discussed is that court packing is what led to the fall of Venezuela's democracy. And I recently spoke with constitutional expert Mark Meckler about this. Take a listen. 
Sure. I, I mean, this is very similar to what the Democrats are trying to do today. What you do is you take the independent branch of the judiciary, which is not supposed to be political, you pack it with enough justices that you may turn it into something that is very political because the party that's appointing the justices is obviously going to dominate the Supreme Court. And by doing that, you've now made the entire government a political body as opposed to having a separate judicial body. And this is exactly straight out of Hugo Chavez's playbook. It's the first thing that he did when he wanted to take over the country permanently. And unfortunately, it looks like the Democrats are trying to follow the same path. So, Dr. Gina, as much as court packing is legal when it comes to the Constitution, it was never intended to end checks and balances for any political party here in the U.S. or any U.S. president. Wow, Jessica, thank you so much for that. You're welcome. All right. Um, have you tried posting the story about the wealthy socialist Black Lives Matter leader and her real estate spending spree on Facebook? Well, you're going to have a hard time doing that because Facebook will not let you. They are censoring that story. Now, for some reason, a totally true story about a fake socialist BLM leader who loves big mansions in white neighborhoods is against the community guidelines, or so they say at Facebook. Zuckerberg and that jack guy over there at uh, Twitter pretty much decide who gets to speak and who doesn't. But what can we do? Hopefully, my two favorite Freedom Friday guests can help us out here. Daryl Scott and Bruce Lavelle are here with us again. Good to see you both. Good to see you. <laughs> All right, Daryl. It used to be <clears throat> fake news that was censored, but this story about this uber-rich <clears throat> BLM leader pretending to be a socialist is all true. What's the problem here? Well, the problem is it goes against the narrative, and it goes against those that contributed to the narrative. So we have to try to shut it down and minimize its, uh, the spread of this information so that we don't wind up having eggs on our face. <laughs> It's exactly it goes against the grain, though. It, it, doesn't, it doesn't fit the conventional logic. You have these uh, hustlers that are pimping the community out that are um, purporting to help the community. And so they'll get money from corporations or whatever, and this money is yeah. supposed to go into the community that they're supposed yeah. to represent, but it goes into their pockets instead. And they've been exposed, and so now you have these different platforms, such as Twitter and others. CNN is minimizing it, and Twitter... They are, they're shutting people down that are publicizing it because they contributed to it and they don't want to be held culpable for it. Exactly. Now, Bruce, um, you do okay for yourself, but just think if you bit. became a Marxist, socialist, community, BLM organizer, you could have millions and millions. You could have mansions all over the U.S. and the world and, uh, and, you know, so I'm just wondering why you didn't choose that course. No, thanks for having me. Happy Friday, everybody. Listen, hey, I have a diamond store instead right here in Atlanta. But listen, this, <laughs> this doesn't surprise me because the, the fake news and all the liberal news media have, have been driving this message. And it'd be interesting, Dr. G, to find out the real depth of the funding from the beginning of who was actually funding BLM, who's actually pulling the purse strings and to order to control the narrative, obviously, and you saw what happened to our good friend Jason Whitlock and many thousands, well, millions of others conservatives that were trying to, you know, put out the real deal, put out the real message out there. So it'd be interesting to find out, to, as we say, follow, follow, follow the real money in the inception of BLM and, and whether it be Zuckerberg, who else is behind them funding them. 
and say, yeah, we got you. Don't worry. We got your back. So it doesn't surprise me. And that's why I'm, I can't wait till we get some great competition. This great show, this great news network right here and many other social media platforms are going to come into fruition based on this ignorant, this stupidity of the left trying to control the messaging. That's a good message, especially for brown Americans and all Americans for that matter, Dr. G. Yeah. Well, there are some great options out there. I love, personally, I love CloudHub, as you all know, but there are so many uh, other, um, you know, just options coming out there. Some people are using even different apps on their phones that weren't even traditionally used for social media. And then you got the president, 45, uh, using his, he's just using press releases. He And he seems to like that for right now. Um, but, you know, we're really being forced into two Americas, businesses that cater to conservatives and fascist businesses yeah. that, check your Communist Party membership card at the door before you can even enter. So, Daryl, you know, this is going to, it seems to me, only serve to further the divide in this country. And that's the part that scares me. I think all the leftists are going to stay over uh, with the big tech companies that, you know, check your Marxist credentials at the door. And I think all of us are going to end up someplace else. Yeah, I mean, I really don't understand how the corporations and companies are allowing themselves to be sucked into this um, this political narrative simply because, you know, companies thrive off profits. Profits yeah. are driven by capitalism. And so I don't understand how they're caving to uh, this uh, social climate right now, but I guess they're doing it for the sake of profits, and they're going in whichever direction they think the wind is blowing. Right now the wind is blowing towards the left. And so they're adapting these Marxist ideologies and these Marxist activities and these leftist agendas in order to um, enhance their bottom line, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Well, guys, there's a there's a viral video out there featuring Congressman Jim Jordan that I want you to listen oh, to. Oh, yeah. I want to get your reaction. <laughs> pow, pow, Here it is. I disagree with you, you on that. You think the Constitution Complete. is suspended during, a, during a, a, a virus, during a pandemic? It's certainly not. This will end for sure when we get the level of infection very low. It is now at such a high level, there's a threat again of major surges. Dr. Fauci, Dr. Fauci, over the last year, Americans' First Amendment rights have been completely attacked. Your right to go to church, your right to assemble, your right to petition your government, freedom of the press, freedom of speech have all been assaulted I mean, for a year now. And there's more of that that I wish we had time to play, but we're running short in the show. Bruce, I want to let you comment first. Yeah, listen, I own a retail business establishment here in Atlanta, and, and when they first started this, this, this narrative way back in the beginning, I was perplexed, like, oh, my God, you're going to you can have these grocery stores open, and you, you can have the liquor stores open, you can have the churches open. And, you know, it went from one story to the next story, one mass, two mass, three mass, four mass. You know, it's like, and I, I agree with uh, Representative Jim Jordan. It's like, come on, will you just give us the bottom line? You're the highest paid person in the entire government for crying out loud. What's the real deal? So that's a fair question. You saw him stumbling and bumbling. So listen, we yeah. know the science, Dr. G, uh, Pastor Darrell. We know what's best for our, our community, our church, our business. We make decisions. We can reach, you know, we have uh, family members who are scientists and doctors. So I, I agree with uh, Jim Jordan. I think he really nailed it on the head. And I wish Dr. Fauci would just at least be just just step aside and maybe let someone else come in and take over. I mean, that might be a good idea. I don't know. 
Yeah, but what are what are a little you know rights all abolished amongst uh, elitist yeah. leftists? Uh, Daryl, you know you though are the king of SmackDown. You have a show <laughs> with that title every single Saturday night, and I hope everybody tunes into that. So uh, I just want to give you a chance to just uh, smack this whole thing down right now. Well, listen, I know you. We have a lack of time right now, and I will say this. Jim Jordan. Oh, you have time. Dog. You have time. He's Go ahead. I just bull. meant I can't play the whole video. You have time to talk. Jim. I just don't want Jim Jordan to take up the whole show. Smack I got him, you man. guys. You talk. Jim Jordan is a pit bull. He's a dog. He's a, he, he's 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 a bigger dog than Major and Champa. It's up at the White House biting everybody. And Fauci, and I don't even call him Fauci. I call him Fauci. Fauci is a fake. <laughs> He's the biggest fake in America. The president saw it. The president knew it. The president has called it out. The American public is beginning to wake up to it. If we're having all these unprecedented surges and, the, and this virus is at levels previously unseen, then what the heck have I been wasting my damn time wearing a mask for the last year, social distancing for the last year, being locked in the house, closing churches, all of that, if it's all simply been nothing more than an exercise in futility? What have we been wasting our time doing all this nonsense for if, if the COVID is worse now than it was a year ago? Fauci is That's a right. fake. Fauci is a liar. And the truth ain't in it. That's all I can say. Well, and, <laughs> Brought to I you mean, by I SmackDown. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> SmackDown. And don't forget to watch the show. That's your preview. And, and I still go back to what the doctors on this program have told me. Even even as things are today, you have as much chance of dying of COVID as you have of it, it dying in a commute if you commute to work. Mm. I don't know about you, but I commute to work. And, and so I, I just don't understand all this. And if you have therapeutics like ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine and all the rest of them, uh, then you have an even lower chance than if you commute to work. So I don't remember Listen, us, you know, banning commutes to work. Yes. Dr. Jenny, you better wear a mask on your commute and you'll be all right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh, God. And the mask wearers in the cars by themselves, those people need to do their heads examined. <laughs> See, the worst they know the something worst. we don't know. And the swimmers. The worst, yeah. And the swimmers. And the swimmers. Oh, and the, and the boat, people on their boats alone out in the middle of the ocean. Those are the yep. ones I really wear. I'm like, wow, people, get your heads examined. All right, guys, I love having you here for this. This is time now for our meme of the day. All right, Bruce and Daryl, this meme of the day features actor Will Ferrell with the words over the picture stating, I can't believe it's riot season already. I still have my COVID decorations up. Gentlemen, when I first saw this meme, I laughed, of course, at the irony. However, it's actually a sad truth that the rioting has come full swing to literally the same time of year as in 2020, shortly following the death of George Floyd on May 25th. Um, and, you know, many of us were still thinking we had our COVID decorations up, as you said. But, Bruce, first to you, my friend, your reaction. Listen, I'm, I got a pulse right here in the ATL in Georgia, and I've talked to a lot of friends in different communities, and they are sick and tired. You saw that that uh, CNN dropped, rocked out there, and that guy ran him off. Would you stop coming down here with all this stupid stuff? You're making it worse for us down here. So my prayers are that these decorations are going to come down and that Will Ferrell will, will be putting up something else and saying, listen, I need to follow President Trump because at least his stuff was working. There's no city's going to be left if they keep this stuff up, Dr. G. So true, so true. Daryl. 
Well, you know, riot season is coming around, and there are certain um, uh, events in the in in the country that are basically waiting. They're in the in, in the green room waiting for the riot to start. The outcome of the Derek Chauvin trial. Just had this other issue with Dante Wright. But I noticed one thing, that the riots are diminishing in intensity. The crowd sizes and the fervor and the furor, uh, simply because it's not election time. It's not an election season, so the Democratic machine is not behind the riots now like they were then. And I noticed that the response to the riots, they didn't have a problem with those recent ones in Minneapolis over the Dante Wright shooting. Yeah. They didn't have a problem using tear gas and flash gang grenades and all of this stuff that if yep. they were used under the Trump administration, they would have used that as an indictment against the president. Now all of a sudden, yeah, they're now not they calling just want to defund peaceful the protest anymore. Yeah, yeah they're not peaceful <laughs> protest anymore. That's true, and remember that's true. The All right. I'm sorry, we're out of time, guys. Check out SmackDown with Daryl Scott, Saturdays at 7 p.m. right here on RAV TV. Thanks to both of you, and thank you for joining me tonight at your real home for real news, RAV TV. And Congressman Mo Brooks joins us on Monday. Don't forget to join us then. <laughs>